passage, uh, of course, false. But uh, if if you were having to pick a Bible verse that most people in the world know, um, it used to be probably John three sixteen. But I wonder if now this Matthew seven one is even more quoted or more seen, like on posters and on ticket signs or whatever. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to kind of unpack this uh, with you guys. So we're going to read it, talk a little bit, and then I'm going to have you talk amongst yourselves a couple times uh, this morning. So Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Do you think people laugh? When Jesus said that, like, is that a, like a dad joke? I don't know. <laughs> Some people's point to this passage is uh, Jesus' sense of humor. It is kind of funny to think about having a big log in your eye. It's not really a ha-ha, I don't think. But More of a hee-hee. Funny mental picture. Um, how can you say to your brother... Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So, um, famous passage, uh, good passage. Um, so let's uh, walk through this a little bit and raise some questions. So, I got this from Randy Harris, who teaches at Abilene. He, he has a book on the Sermon on the Mount. And he says one of his colleagues, I don't know if it's in the Bible department or somewhere else at Abilene, but um, so apparently Monkey Girl and Alligator Boy, this is a real story, got married. So uh, I don't know if they were in the Greatest Showman movie, but uh, you know, it's along that same, same ilk of, and um, so the way this applies here is so this is a true story, and apparently when they met, um, Monkey Girl's parents were like, mm, really? I think you're marrying beneath yourself. Um, and then, you know, what? after they get married, they have a marital dispute or argument. You know, what do, what do they say to each other? Like, Man, I'm married a freak. You know, let me get you say that. Uh, so anyway, it's like, but as I, as I thought about that after... I read it in Randy Harris's book. I thought, you know, it's it's a good analogy for how when we criticize somebody else or we think about judging somebody else without looking at ourselves in the mirror, who are we to judge, right? Okay, so that's the point of that one. Um, <clears throat> so Jesus doesn't totally prohibit making judgments here. You can't get through life without making judgments. What he does do is suggest that we need to be as generous in our judgments as we want generosity to be given to us, and we need to be as generous in our judgments as God is. Um, so we want God to forgive us, we want God not to judge us, to be generous with us, um, so we should ex extend that same generosity with a measure that we use, it will be measured back. Big motivation for having um, 
a long measuring stick, I guess, is an easy standard is we want this handle to be easy for us. Um, so we need to unpack this some to figure out exactly what was being said here. Okay, let's keep going. So, um, Randy Harris says one way to practice this is to speak only what love requires. <coughs> so, decide on a time period and experiment with speaking only out of love. That means no judgmental or harsh tone or talking. And the next part will be hard for some, no sarcastic speech. Speaking only what love requires means bringing focus to what you say, saying things that loving <coughs> people requires, but nothing more. And it may require you to be more silent than normal. So can you imagine doing an experiment where you say for this time period, maybe it's half a day, maybe it's a day, maybe several days in a row. An hour. An hour. <laughs> half an hour. Yeah. Um, no judgmental or harsh tone. Um, no judgmental talking. Um, so think about what would be difficult about <coughs> practicing this. So if we were going to try to practice in real life, judge not that you be not judged, how is that going to look? One way that it looks is, how does, well, one thing to think about how it looks is how does it affect how we talk about other people? Um, so I want to give you, so get to know some people around you and uh, talk with each other about, for you, what do you think would be difficult as you think about not judging other people or speaking only what love requires and not going beyond that. You understand what I'm saying? So this, this takes some thought, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you say, but take some time to talk with some people around you about this. Great. just said something actually as we were closing about like the, the southern hospitality and kind of like mentality I guess and how like to someone's like face you can be like like you're not going to be very confrontational but you might say like things to them behind their back when like the loving thing is rather than like spreading like rumors like it's loving to sometimes like tell someone what's going on so that they can like I, I don't know you know so, that's kind of one thing I'm talking about. Sarcasm. Yeah, I'm going to say sarcasm. I don't know. Especially in like a, a jock locker room or something like that. That's how I feel like a lot of guys speak love to each other at the same time. Um, you're using sarcasm? Yeah, and just like, you know, if you're picking on someone, they usually mean, you know, they're, they're a buddy that mm -hmm. willing to like. realizing that, you know, those things don't always need to be said. Um, it just shuts your mouth a 
heard a colleague at Lipscomb who, he's actually from <coughs> but he, he was talking to somebody else who had just moved to the area. Have, have you dealt with the Nashville Nice yet? And so I, there's a term, I guess, Nashville yeah. Nice. And Nashville Nice means to your face and then behind your back. Oh, yeah. Does that happen? Yeah. Kind of sad. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's keep going. How about you guys? Um, so we sort of talked about sarcasm a lot. Um, so like I was an impact counselor this summer, and Justin Bagwell, who does our uh, counselor training, their youth group is very um, against sarcasm. And so, because their philosophy is that like sarcasm kills like the important things you have to say, and it dampens like the truth that you can speak into people, um, just because. It's just like an overall tone that is not conducive to speaking truth in people's lives. And um, and we also talked about being silent because that is also difficult. So if the spirit's not telling you to say something specifically, just like not say anything at all. Because a lot of times we want to kind of fill that space with like, oh, like God has a plan and like yada yada, like whatever it is. But if he's not telling you to say something, maybe you should just not say anything at all. Can you think of an example of a sarcastic comment that would that would be judgmental or I'm trying to think of how we use sarcasm now. Yeah, like that shirt looks great. <laughs> <laughs> Receiving the best from people. Yes. Like, most of the time, they're not digging maliciously. Yeah. Randy Harris in his book uses an example. He says he had a friend when he was at Lipscomb who had to go to chapel twice a day. Because at Lipscomb, when I was, well, some phase when I was there early teaching, we had two chapels, um, 20 minutes each, and in, the, in the, what's now alumni auditorium. Oh, yeah. And so it was the same thing. Back to back. So you had 20 minutes and you had 10 minutes switch over. New crop comes in. Same thing. Yeah. And this guy was head of chapel, so he had to listen to the chapel talks twice a day. And uh, he said, you know, some of the wor worst things he ever 
sermons he ever heard were in the chapel. But um, so, how did you deal with having to listen to it twice? He said, "Well, I, I try to say, try to get, by, you know, they're trying, they're trying, they're trying to say something helpful, and I could put a good spin on it, saying, let's, let's assume the person's trying to give something good out there, and and that's a that's a freedom we have as human beings who make meaning. We have to we have to make meaning out of what happens." And we can choose to, you know, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, I, I drive into work with Walter Shabaki, who's the worst. I can say, I say this to his face, so I'll say it to him behind the He honks at people. I mean, he's a self-police. I mean, he honks. If you're in the, the HOV lane and you don't have more than one person in your car, he's like, <laughs> and I'm like, dude. I can see him doing just that. Why are you, this is making our commute stressful for me. I mean, I, just, I don't want to do that to people. And he's like honking at him, telling him to get over. And I'm just like, this is no fun for me. But I said, how do you live like this? He says, how do you live like you live? <laughs> <laughs> the one on the Enneagram, he's a perfectionist. You know, to him, he's, he's doing justice and making things right. But he's like, I'm a nine. I'm like, that's hilarious. But I, you know, I always like you could choose to say, well, the reason they're, a, you know, they're getting to their birth of their baby or something. I mean, there could be reasons why somebody would try to, to go faster right. that's that are nicer, and you get to choose that story that you attach to that. You know? I think it's important to remember that we always have a choice. Like we always have a choice on how we're going to react or not react. And because it costs you nothing to be silent. It costs you nothing. You say, well, you know, but I got to say, no, you don't got to do anything. And so when you, when you are around situations where people um, are talking about others, gossip-wise, or I don't know how it would work if the person's really around you, how do you be not judging in that? Because maybe <coughs> you, you try to think about, well, I know what you did was wrong, but let's talk about why you did that or uh, how that, let's unpack that a little bit and maybe you can get to something, usually you can get to something where people are just victim of circumstance or something. Well, and, and honestly, we're, we're, we are quicker to judge than to confront something that actually needs to be confronted, right? I easily can just judge you and your actions and what you said and what you did versus like confronting you and saying, that was really hurtful, mean. Why did you do that? I'd rather just stew and judge you and get some people together and let's judge you about how you've done that thing versus to confront you. Yeah. So even the fact that you confronted Walter is a big. That was a big step. Big in, step for me. Yeah. yeah. But it, this, this happens every day. Right. <laughs> it's not fun for me. All right. What do you guys have? So we were kind of talking about. Um, how people back in the time periods were like judging each other and not like treating each other with love, kind of like how you should like treat a person how you would want to be treated. Yeah. How that people knew, and also the Bible says if you offer one cheek, offer the other. So it's kind of like a play on words, almost. Yeah. The measure you use will be the measure it's used to you. So. You want to be generous, not just with money, but generous with your judgments. Um, you want people to assume the best. Of you. <coughs> Good. Anything else? Yeah, we also, um, 
talked about like specifically like Kendall and I were very like goofy people, <laughs> so we can easily use humor to like elevate ourselves in a situation. Um, but sometimes it's best to just not, and I think it's very difficult to transition from that, especially when you're so used to like just throwing out jokes and like making you know in good fun in front of people. Yeah. Um, but just choosing to you know, because I I know personally for me we talked about this is like if someone says something to me that could be hurtful or judgmental, I can like think about that for the next 24 hours. It can really affect me. So thinking about how that makes me feel when I'm speaking with others. Or All I do is make faces. <laughs> you, you're, you are the king of making sarcastic yeah. faces. So. I'm even on Belmont's website making a face. Mm. It's my rest, what is it, R, RB? Uh, resting sarcastic resting, face. No, well. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, this is on the podcast. <coughs> yeah, that's it. I'll pull it up in a minute and you'll see it. All right, let's go on this side. What do you guys have? You talked about like having high standards for yourself and then like applying that universally to everybody around you. Okay. And so like you're saying about measuring, like, it's like, oh well, I expect a certain thing for myself, so like everybody else should be on yeah. that level. So that's like mm-hmm. not really a very fair way to treat people Whenever people say to me, Well, when I blah 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 <coughs> Well you're not the standard, so don't even say that because it frustrates me. Um, because why that assumes that everybody has to be like me. What else? Well, um, we me and Hannah uh, focus more on like the sarcastic and uh, the gossiping. Um, I'm very sarcastic. Usually every sentence has something sarcastic. So <laughs> <laughs> that that would be a high, that would be a big issue for me. Um, but I do have a so I think there's a difference between being sarcastic, being jerkish, and being sarcastic in a loving way, you know, like teasing somebody or something. Nice haircut, nice shirt. love. I'm still thinking about the, the youth group, no sarcasm kind of thing, how that changes vibe because it's you can do sarcasm where it's kind of adding to lowering the awkwardness and kind of an attempt to kind of smooth things over how do you how do you do that without sarcasm and what would that look like you guys have anything more yeah uh, i remember uh two or three years ago uh, david skidmore did a sermon about this and how he talked about uh 
in this passage in particular, teaching you how to be gracious, and that you can only give as much as you're willing, or you can only give as much as what you take in. And so, being like sarcastic all the time, some people can't take a clue to it, so they just think you're just being a jerk. So they won't be as gracious to you as you would be to them. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big key to this, and that we need to learn how to be gracious to one another and extend a hand. Yeah, I was talking to Patrick about uh, one of the commentaries I was reading yesterday by Scott McKnight. talks about, um, there's a guy named Ted Haggard, I don't know if you know that name, but he was a uh, head of the Evangelical Christian Association or something. He lives out in Colorado Springs, big preacher at a big church. And it all hit the fan when it came out that he was having um, homosexual affairs um, that his wife didn't know about, his family didn't know about, Tristan, of course, didn't know about. And then that all came out, and he was kind of disgraced. And so one pastor who was in Denver was around people that kept talking about Ted Haggard and, you know, how you would talk about that kind of situation. And then... um, he said, well, if I'm going to practice this passage, I need to reach out, probably, to Ted. Mm-hmm. Reached out to him, became friends, heard his story, his wife, he and his wife are still together, still trying to, to minister, because now that he had been disgraced, he said, you know, people who are hurting feel like they can come to me now. I actually still have a ministry. Um, that's the way this guy talked about it. Um, but that pastor, it, the people at his church did not want to know to befriend Ted Haggard and said, you have to stop that relationship you still want to be our pastor. So that's where it kind of gets real. Uh, that sometimes our churches do not are not places where you actually can reach out to people in the script. Did you have a comment on that? Yeah, I have kind of a similar story with my family, but Colton and Savannah's wedding, the day of one of the ladies who worked at the Brown Hotel, stole possessions from our guests. And we like didn't find that out till like a couple weeks ago, but it was like a ton of like money. Um, wedding rings, like crazy stuff. Um, so it was on the news and it was like, this lady has stolen a lot of possessions from people at the Brown and it was like my sister's wedding day. So our family is like kind of freaking out and just so quick to like start judging this person and being like, I. She's a terrible person. I can't believe she would do that. Like that's our sister's like or my sister's big day kind of thing. But my mom was like, I think I'm gonna try and find her on Facebook and reach out to her. And we were like, Why would you do that? We were like, No, mom, like don't do that. Um, but she kind of made a connection with this lady, and she was messaging back and forth while she was like in jail. And she like got more of this lady's story, and she's like a single mom with kids, and was just like struggling and so my mom was like we'll be praying for you and they kind of have been messaging and so it kind of reminded me of that but our initial reaction was like she's a terrible person like mom don't reach out to her but I think my mom like blessed her a lot by reaching out to her and showing her grace so the Sermon on the Mount if it's lived out does it really is world changing I mean it changes how would society change you know if we start to Okay, That's good. Um, I saw this. Uh, this was a picture that I found. Um, 
always do images when I search on Google just to see what's out there. Especially when you're doing a PowerPoint. But uh, stop saying judge not if you don't know what it means. Um, what, do you have a guess about what this, what this is saying? What do you think? Also, uh, yeah, there's also a way of interpreting that that judge not can become an easy way of giving up your giving up our witness in some ways of what what is right and wrong, and that's where a lot of people would use it like on picket signs. Um, judge Jesus said, "Judge not," which means why are Christians? not accepting whatever situation it, it is. Um, and that's where it gets tough, because if you just take this out of context, judge not that you be not judged, I mean, and I, I think I'm tempted to interpret it this way too. Well, if I'm not judgmental against anybody that does anything wrong, then I can do whatever I want and not be judged either. Right. So there's a way that this passage can be taken that this be, leads to an easy relativism of you live your way, I'll live mine, and we just won't try to do what's right. Uh, so, you think Christians sometimes are seen as judgmental simply because they believe some activities are wrong, and if you state that you think that is wrong, then you're being judgmental. So, um, that's why I think we have to distinguish moral discernment from personal condemnation. So, I don't think because Jesus goes on in the very next verses, which we which may get talked about next week. I won't be here, but um, don't throw your pearls before swine. And don't give what is holy to dogs. Well, that's that's a tough passage to figure out, but but not just that passage, but elsewhere in the Sermon on the Mount, wise and foolish. I mean, there there are moral discernments that have to be made. Um, so what's what's the difference between doing that and judging? I think the difference boils down to we, we recognize that we're not the final judge. We're not condemning people. 
even when we're recognizing that there is a right and a wrong, doesn't mean that. But we have to kind of recognize right and wrong at the same time, not judging people, condemning people for that. Does that make sense to you guys? Um, so I think that's an important distinction. Um, we're about out of time, but does anybody have anything they want to share on that particular thought? Yeah. I was just going to say, I think that's where like Christians are challenged in that because we have been seen to like judge an entire group of people and like take a step back. But that's where the difference comes in where like healthy confrontation requires relationship. Yeah. So we're going to confront people with more discernment and that, that requires a relationship with that person. Right. I think that's where we're challenged is to like actually build those relationships relationships with groups that are like um, widely justified. Yeah. Specifically like yeah. I think that's exactly right. And then in the illustration that Jesus uses, take the plank out of your eye, then you will see clearly to see the speck in somebody's eye. So I, I heard a series of sermons one time on uh, plank plank removers or something like that. And it's, it's how to how to get plank, how to be less. So as long as you're aware of your own faults, that's how you remove the plank. And then you can, can confront somebody. So we're always confronting from a status of humility, of, hey, I, I have problems too, you know, that type of thing. Because it's so easy for us to see other people's problems and not our own problems. And Jesus is recognizing that, that human characteristic. But as long as we are humble and say we're all sinners, saved by the grace of God, let's try to work on being doing what's right. And I would just add like another way to look at that plank is to owning owning your own shadow. Owning your own shadow. Because we all have a shadow side to us. And it's owning that shadow before we go and try to own someone else's shadow. Because a lot of times judgment is is you're wanting control. Wanting control over other people and over a, a this moral low-hanging fruit situation. But I do agree that there are times where we do, it does not mean we don't have high standards. It doesn't mean that we don't have high expectations for our society and for a collection of people. Because uh, I think we do have to still speak to, as Jesus talks a, a lot about, the injustices that are happening in our world. And that, that requires judgment. And we have to make choices every day. You had to judge what you were going to wear or not wear. You didn't wear what you wore to the club last night. Maybe you did. That's fine. Maybe you're versatile in that way with your club wear. But um, this is what you were wearing to the club. That's an appropriate club attire. Yeah. Well, any other final thoughts before we get out of here? Okay. Um, I'm going to pull that photo up, but as we always say, um, a big part of why we have these things is so that we're able to meet each other in smaller settings within our church. So make sure that you at least greet someone, nod at someone who you have not met before or something, because that helps us create community, and that's what we're trying to build here to help uh, reveal to us all is the community that's within inside of us. So. Do that and enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.